Good day, ladies and gentlemen of Civ Classic. I am Warm Wizard, and this is Box Talk. Happy New Year, everyone. I look forward to starting this new year right with a weekly, and I mean truly weekly, podcast. It's hard to do on this server, since I feel like a lot doesn't happen every week. But I want to make this a creative challenge to myself, where I find something interesting going on inside this world. I know for a fact that I can't do it alone. I have quite the tendency to start a project and not finish. All you have to do is look at my track record to see that. But this time, I want to know you guys want it. Heck, one reason I started this podcast up again was because people were talking about it in my Discord. So, I'd like you guys to bug me about it like they did. Also, if anyone is interested in collaborating on Box Talk, I am more than happy to have a partner in crime. You want to write stories? Go ahead. Do you want to do interviews? That'd be great. If you think you could be a partner host with me, just let me know. I think this started off as a great podcast, and I hate that I let it stall again. Man, I have some serious commitment issues. So go ahead uh, it's actually pretty cold in my apartment right now, uh, so I'm bundled up in a blanket while I'm doing this, so go ahead, get yourself comfortable, drink your drink a beverage for this episode of Box Talk. I first wish to thank the official sponsor of this episode, the brand new Box Cedar. These state-of-the-art facilities are ready to bring new entertainment to the server. It hosts beautiful decor with a lobby for all guests, while having general seating to fit probably most of the server. I'm talking at least 100 people here. How freaking chaotic that would be with a bunch of antsy mind men players. The crown jewels of the theater, though, are the sweet seats. There are six total to select from, and each are separated and secured for their guests. Each booth is above the general audience, and they are safe from purlings and the peasantry down below. Included in these packages is an unlimited tap of fine wheat beer and future beverages for their guests, delivered by a servant himself, so they can truly enjoy the experience. Like, if there was a play inside the theater, wink, wink, we might be doing that in the future, this would be the best place to be. You interested in hosting event at the Box Theater? Go ahead and slide into my DMs, and I'd be happy to give you more information on it. Thanks again to the Box Theater for sponsoring this Box Talk. Let's go ahead and jump right into it, because this episode is a recap of the news. A simple visit to the subreddit will drop you in a sea of chaos and confusion. So I've decided to search for what's relevant. I want to talk about the recent conflict that has ended the Commonwealth. Yes, you heard me. In case if you weren't aware, like in my situation from a few days ago. So let's go ahead and dive in with info from a few of my sources. First, let's establish who the players are. First, the Western Alliance. They're a coalition of nations, the Commonwealth, the Myrian Star Empire, and the Kingdom of Hijaltland. On the other side of the conflict is their mutual enemy, the group referred to as Nox. 
They are a mix of nations, including Lexington, Anguish, and Laconia. Now, depending on who you ask, there's a lot of conflicting information on the origin of their name, Knox. It seems like it originated from the Commonwealth, and some might consider it propaganda. But it seems that this alliance started calling themselves that also, so they must have fancied the name a little bit. In case if you are not aware, Knox was a group on Civcraft 2.0. They were serious threat to the server with plenty of PvPers in their group, so being referred to as Knox usually comes with a negative connotation. Now let's go ahead and get into the causes of this conflict. Once again, the nature of these depend on who you ask. But I'll begin with what we all see on the subreddit. While the Commonwealth and Lexington agreed to have some Fox animosity for a while, Hijaltland and Lexington had slightly less agreeable relations. A major escalation occurred when a Hijaltler alt first got into anguish, then Lexington, all a part of a huge ruse. This alt gave Centralin, the leader of Lexington, a so-called tree farming script. However, what it really did was transfer all of Centralin's citadel groups, including snitches, bastions, vaults, etc., to the primary account owner. So just imagine that, just giving the script to somebody and then, bam, you lost all your groups in an instant because you trusted that script. Ultimate troll if I've ever heard one. The admins did return the groups to their proper owner, but Lexington wanted their version of justice. Further, they were able to determine the alt account was tangential threats. So, that's the first part of the cause, and why Lexington wants to get involved. There was some more Commonwealth-Lexington conflict going on just prior to the war, but the origins of this are unclear. While Britain and Centraland didn't really intend to go to war, some other factors came into play. I've learned that one major factor dealt with an alleged Commonwealth attack on a Lexington bunker. Shortly after the war began, rumors spread that Anguish was a puppet state for Lexington, and it was confirmed to some when Anguish swore allegiance to Lexington. The so-called Somber War had begun with the invasion of the Commonwealth and the bombing of Westminster, a borough in the Commonwealth. As this conflict dragged on, Murr joined the Western Alliance's side and invaded Anguish, which led to a quick fall of the city and the nation's vault. A few Anguish soldiers did survive the initial assault. Alongside Lexington fighters, they tried to take back their lands to open another front, stretching the Alliance's resources. As this front reopened, the Commonwealth began its rapid decline to the constant raids on Westminster. Many players either stopped logging on due to safety, left to a safer town, or were pearled. Britain was king at the time, and unfortunately for the Commonwealth, he was not able to keep morale up or keep them united. That is how the Commonwealth fell. The constant attacks, invasions, and raids over the past few months, arguably since the beginning of the server, 
have worn down this once proud nation. The Commonwealth was a source of culture, civilization, and community on the server that has become so focused on PvP and war and their absence is sorely felt by those who want peace and prosperity. Now, that is the current situation in the Somber War. It has reached a stalemate. No one wants to gamble attacking a vault because it's too high risk without, uh, with not enough gain. Even if that means they free up the pearls from the vault, nobody really has the manpower to risk a vault raid after the recent attacks on Lexington. The only way I see this war ending is either one side starts losing people due to disinterest, mistakes, etc., and ending up with an absolutely no one at the vault to defend it. Or, there are some changes in the server allowing breaking a vault more feasible. Oh wait, there's one more option here, which is the least likely, by the way. Both sides go to the negotiating table and come to an amicable peace deal for the sake of the server. Another big event I want to cover on Civ Classics is the change on policies from the admins that have resulted in a few bans. On January 10th of 2017, I mean 18th, man, I'm still having issues with that. On, Jan on January 10th of 2018, Nerd, the head admin for Civ Classics, made a post on the subreddit about toxic players in the community and what is going to be done. You can read the details yourself. It's in the top posts for this month. Pretty much, the admin team has decided that there are attempts on banning players that are harassing other players in the subreddit has not been enough to steer the tide. So they may now ban players for certain offenses in the Civ Classic server and other outside sources. Now, you may be questioning if your nation's Discord could be used for the admins to ban a player from their server. I had that question myself, and so did many others. So I contacted Teal Nerd asking for clarification. He said that yes, they can ban people from their actions in Discord, but it also depends on the circumstances. So yes, you might want to be careful on what you say and do even inside Discord. A few players have already been banned due to these policies including Boozy JJ and Dallas. It cannot be determined how this will change the game immediately, but only time will tell what it does in the long run. Talking about these conflicts and server bannings really takes a hit on my mood. It makes this episode of Box Talk sound very depressing. But with every darkness, there sheds a new light. In a nation far away from this conflict and a developing of culture and like-minded brothers, there is a place. It is called Columbia. This is actually where I am being hosted. I have been a citizen there for a few months now, and I have personally become invested in its people, traditions, and government. My box cedar, another shameless plug-in right here, is hosted there and was built by the people of Colombia. So, without further ado, I would like to present the new Chancellor of Colombia to talk about not just a new government, 
but also where he sees the nation going forward. Uh, thank you for being here, Just Matter. It's no problem. Hi, everybody. All right, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. So we're going to talk about yourself to start. So how were you first introduced to the Civcraft genre? So originally in the past, I was part of this clan or group, whatever you want to call it, PvP group. Uh, we played a lot of faction servers and things like that. And at one point, uh, our leader at that time had a goal for us to come on to Civcraft 2.0 at the time and uh, invade a city named Leo, and which uh, two of us managed to actually do successfully, one of those being me and one of those being an old friend. Uh, but yeah, that was the basic beginnings of how we got on here. And uh, yeah. So uh, let me, if I understand this correctly, so you were in a faction server and then you went to invade Leo. Uh, so what happened to Leo after that and what kept you around in Civcraft? Well, uh, as I began to play more and more Civcraft, I don't know what it was about the game, but there was just a lot of adventure and enjoyment that I had with the game. Uh, there was civilization, there were cool people to meet and things like that. And uh, pertaining to Leo, it, Leo lived on for quite a long time after that. We were only about 3K Southwest or something like that of Commonwealth at the time in 2.0. And uh, we, we worked with them a lot, uh, digging rails and diamond mining. And, uh, yeah, Leo flourished for quite a while, uh, but about a year down the road later, it died not long, not too, not very nicely. <laughs> uh, what nation were you a part of in Civ Classic 2.0? A uh, handful of them, and most of them I, I was also, I had part in their leadership there, uh, the first being Leo. The second one being Aram, which is an acronym that I won't delve into because it's not very nice. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> And then uh, there is, let's see, Alicia. That was ran by uh, a Minecrafter named Playa at the time. And then the Kingdom of Avalon near the end days of 2.0. What one would you consider home, I guess? Whether it deals with friends or where you felt like you really grew on the server? If I had to say, it'd be my first two I listed, both uh, Leo to begin with, that's where I got my initial friends, and then a lot of us had moved to Aram after Leo had died, those of us who were close. That's pretty funny. So you invaded Leo, and they they trusted you to stay, and they let you become a, a part of the nation? They never actually knew my original motives and why I joined. That was never <laughs> actually discovered, but... <laughs> aside from that it worked out great right well what do you think uh how they would react if they were to hear that today that you were originally planning on invading them but you seem to have grown a liking to them so you joined them uh at this point i think it would just be something to laugh back on now if it had been at the time uh like while i was in you know leadership and things like that they probably wouldn't have been too happy about it uh i probably would have been cast out what happened to Leo, like, uh, at the end of it? You made it sound like it was quite a disastrous ending for the nation. Well, a lot of the problems Leo had leading up to its death was mainly raider groups. Uh, the most notable, at least attacking uh, Leo, was most recognized the Amramon group. That was their leader at the time. And they were all raiders, of course, and they would just come on every day. Uh, several times a week and just raid us, uh, kill citizens, pearl them, drop them off in chests around the outskirts of the city, and then leave. 
Okay, yes, that that makes sense. So then you went and joined that nation. Uh, did you participate anywhere else uh, after Civcraft 2.0? Uh, after 2.0, there was quite a gap in my playtime. The last thing I had played uh, was Civ Test or Civ Temp, whatever you want to call it, before mm-hmm. 3.0 occurred. And I just wasn't a huge, uh, a huge fan of 3.0's features and changes, like the shard maps and stuff like that. So I, I just, I, I skipped out on 3.0. Uh, but in Civ Temp, what were you a part of a group then, or did you just kind of hang around, see what was going on, and leave? Yeah, I'd say more the second option. That's mostly what I did. Is I would hop on every now and then, see what kind of changes they made, and each time I was more and more disappointed. But uh, ended up moving on from it and just decided to come back in Civex at uh, at some point. I forget what the date was. What were some challenges that you faced both at the beginning of your time on Civcraft 2.0? But what do you even say today as far as Civ Classic goes or fundamental things? What sort of challenges we have? Uh, what sort of challenges you have faced or are facing currently, like as far as, I guess, fundamentals in the gameplay goes? Hmm. Well, of course, the hardest thing I would say about Civ overall is having a strong understanding of the best method of doing things, I would say. Um, because you don't want to waste time doing things the hard way, necessarily. Uh, such as, you know, building infrastructure for rails, digging all that stuff out, or uh, building new farms or expanding them. Those are typically the hardest challenges for me. Uh, they, they just take forever. That makes sense. Uh, are there any um, any successes that you would say in your history that you were proud of uh, that you've accomplished, or even some failures that you would say you've learned from? Oh, there's tons of failures you have learned from, especially in regards to script writing and and technical things, building infrastructure and all that. What's the best way to do things? Oh, script writing. Uh, go ahead and I would like to hear a bit more about how you would have used that, failures or successes. Well, uh, I guess the meaning like uh, uh, how smartly or dumb you can write your scripts, basically, because at least in all sort of civ iterations I played in, you can't interact with the actual world environment. So that makes script writing uh, rather difficult in some regards, because if you were able to dynamically, you know, like interpret the environment, that can make things a lot simpler in your script writing. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, what would you argue you brought to the table for this genre? Is there anything? that you would say that you really excelled at that people might have known you for or know you for from previous iterations or this iteration uh either or uh i would say in the past i wasn't really known for anything too significant except for those i was close with mainly Uh, most of what i've always done on civ is uh, either you know a mixture of working with infrastructure, building XP farms, writing scripts. Uh, that, that's my main involvement, but I've also done plenty of PvP too. Well, it sounds like you were mostly uh, in the background then in your past. What what made you step up to leadership roles for this iteration of Civ Classic? Well, at least uh, I don't want to point fingers, but basically this iteration, our current leader in Colombia at least, wasn't living up to you know player expectations here, especially me. And I decided that maybe I would be a good option for this change. 
So you felt that there was a need for leadership and that, as you said, you would qualify for it. That definitely makes sense. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next part of this interview, talking about uh, Columbia's government and your election process. So uh, can you explain a little bit for, for the people here what the government structure of Columbia is now? So the best definition that I've come up with on what we would call this right now is basically a, a constitutional republic. So uh, it takes the citizens to elect our new chancellor, and uh, there has to be, what, a two-thirds majority? It's something like that. Whoever has the majority. Just simple though, majority. Yeah, simple majority, basically, uh, to vote in the chancellor. And then that chancellor has what you would call, you know, dictatorship power he can delegate powers to other people as needed but strictly speaking he has all the power but there's a check in place to prevent him from abusing that power uh, via a two-thirds petition by the citizens to vote him out okay so um i actually for people that are listening uh the chancellor's actually held a debate in the box theater which uh shameless plug-in for but uh so i actually hosted or moderated the debate and there are a few things that came up uh so we know that you were just recently elected uh against one other candidate uh what do you believe was the biggest obstacle you had to overcome to convince columbia citizens to vote for you and not the other candidate I guess uh, I don't know exactly what all made the huge differences and what people uh, like how they decided on me. Um, I would say I had a little bit of an advantage over Neo in terms of technical experience and things like that. Uh, but outside of that, he could have potentially been as just uh, just as good as me, if not better, as a chancellor because he would have. But he and I had a lot of the same ideas in mind as well too. Uh, I can't really think of a specific challenge because I think the the most difficult thing was just trying to clarify to people why I had uh, why I was the better pick and that that was strictly speaking I, I would think my experience gave me the lead there. Well then, uh, how were you? What do you believe was a big part of your campaign that convinced people to vote for you? I would say probably the biggest part was the debate itself that was probably where i convinced several people because there were several people that i wasn't very friendly with here in columbia or those who completely misunderstood uh what i achieved so far on here as well uh those were the uh i'm sorry i'm trailing off here but the, oh, that was okay. the most difficult challenge for me was trying to convince uh those few last people that i wasn't you know sure of and it turned out you know, I ended up with a two-thirds majority, right? I, I think uh, close to it anyways. I believe so. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so uh, what do you believe was the most important uh, to citizens this past election from both you and your opponent? What was the most important aspect? Uh, what do you believe was very important to the citizens this election? Hmm, if I had to say there'd be two main things. Uh, who was the most capable uh, leader who had the experience, etc., and also uh, the most trustworthy uh, option as well. I feel like part uh, the, the majority of the trust came from what I've already achieved in Colombia because 
I don't know. I wouldn't go out of my way to abuse my power as it is because I've already uh, I've already put so much time into trying to strengthen Colombia that I, I just it wouldn't benefit me in any way. I think that was the the most prominent thing about gaining trust, at least in regards to myself. That makes sense. All right, so now you have been chancellor for a bit less than a week. Uh, so what are some responsibilities you have taken up and have done in that time or things that you got to do relatively soon as chancellor? Let's see. So far at the moment, uh, well, I guess today I've got to establish our state of the duchy. Essentially, that's where I will alert the, the citizens and uh, the grand duke of columbia every week on you know the state of things what's changed what hasn't etc what needs to occur in the near future and things like that who is the grand duke because you mention uh this grand duke oh yeah let me clarify that uh, that would be k deeks he is our grand duke i see uh so does uh besides he gets a noble title does he hold anything else in this nation at this moment, he's nothing more than, I guess you could say, uh, a head of state, a puppet head. Uh, uh, I guess you could say equivalent to the Queen of England. Uh, but he but he will be able to retain, or rather get power back in the future, potentially, if he has uh, the citizens' will in mind, basically. Um, he'll need to reestablish himself uh, with trust in the citizens and everything like that. But he does have, at the moment, a grace period of one term, so three months that he'll have to wait before he has the potential to run as a chancellor again, or to run to lead the nation again. But why does he, why does KDX have this title as Grand Duke? Uh, why not give it to somebody else, or why have the title at all? Well, originally, before the establishment of this new uh, government with the chancellor he was our dictator per se our monarch and uh it, it's it's an honorary title essentially he's the one who brought everybody together all of us old friends from civics in columbia to civ classics um and it i when we established the sorry what was that document called our compromise for the new year's um we decided to keep him as a head of the state basically with that title uh, out of respect to what he did bringing Columbia back together. Sense. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our final section here about Columbia and its future. Uh, dealing with the nation itself, what do you think Columbia brings to the plate of Civ Classic? Well, I think the most significant thing that we've got coming up uh, that I've been focusing on since I joined Columbia uh, was XP production. I'd like to become a trader with, or rather trade with foreign powers, uh, XP and things of the like like that, um, whatever is needed, bartering and the like. Uh, do you see, uh, what, what would you say are some, now I'm losing my train of thought, uh, what would you say makes Colombia different from other nations on Civ Classic? Mm, I would say inherently... It would have to be our culture and how close our community is here in uh, Colombia. I don't know how it is over in other nations, but uh, that's what appears to be unique to me. And also, uh, maybe, I don't know how unique our government, or rather, our city is at this point. I haven't explored enough of uh, the current iteration to really know for sure. Well... 
That's all right. And that actually brings us into the next question, uh, dealing uh, with that. Uh, what's your stance on new friends and the immigration process, uh, people that are interested in maybe joining Columbia? I'd be happy for anybody to join. Um, just um, I need to likely – at the moment, people would need to come to me, but I think I need to put somebody in power who can also help with uh, have, uh, bringing in new friends. Um, but other than that, I, I'm, you know, I'm happy to have new friends around, and if anybody wants to join, just message me. It sounds like uh, it does sound like you are open to having uh, new friends. What about uh, players that have either played a while, maybe on Civ Classic, and they're just trying to emigrate from their nation, or somebody that hasn't played the Civ genre in a while and they're trying to and they want to get back into it? Um, what to convince them to come to Columbia? Rather, uh, is that would what you be all about? right with them, just like you are with new friends? Oh, for sure. Um, we're a relatively neutral nation, so we don't have any really in, in we don't have any main interactions with any other nations at this point. So, uh, typically, the I guess my only stance on that is avoiding uh, those who would, you know, actively pearl players. Uh, that actually, I have an, a question. You do not have to answer this at your at this time if you do not wish to, but. Have you made any foreign stances uh, as of recently, whether it's uh, with the somber war that's going on right now or uh, with any other foreign nations that you would say that Colombia has allied themselves with or befriended? No, I can't say uh, anything like that. I mean, we're relatively neutral with every nation. At best, we're, uh, what would you call it? Um not friends, but acquaintances with uh, other nations that are, you know, neighboring us. Are Most of which are actually dead, though, at this point. Hmm. Uh, do you plan, do you have any nations in mind that you would like to gain a relationship with, a relationship, a friendship with, or to grow one? Uh, I can't say I'm picky in that regard. Anybody who's willing to trade or barter with me, uh, I'm game to you know, have some foreign relations with. And uh, so with Colombia, what are some of your favorite things about the nation? Uh, its placement in the world, its culture, friends, anything like that? I'd say the most significant thing is uh, the friends I've made while I've been here in Colombia. It's definitely what's been keeping me around most. Uh, but I definitely enjoy what we've built here too. That's part of the other things that keep me around as well. Do you uh, how many how many citizens what do you say are in Colombia at this time? Mm, last I remember from the census, I think it was fourteen or fifteen. Uh, about half of those are uh, are about you know what I'd consider active though. That makes sense. Uh, is there anything else that comes to mind uh, when you think of Colombia? Um. The most significant thing is going to be our potential XP exports in the future once I've got everything solidly established. Ah, yes, that makes sense. And now uh, let's go ahead and let's uh, wrap the start to wrap things up with my final question here. Where do you see Colombia by the end of your term on the world stage? 
what goals would you be willing to set in front of the entire server, this audience here today? Well, let's see. By the end of my term, I intend to accomplish everything that I stated earlier in this interview uh, in regards to my goals. Uh, I will definitely achieve those within the next three months. It's just going to take time. And in regards to the world stage, I'm not quite sure how uh, Columbia's standing will necessarily be at that point. Uh, but, of course, I think we'll definitely still be a neutral nation by that point. But I'd like to establish more diplomatic relations with other nations by that point as well, um, actively trading with other nations, whoever is willing to, that is. Is there anything that you would like to tell uh, the viewer here, maybe try to sell them on Colombia and why they should uh, either join or consider uh, building an alliance or friendship with the country? I'd say my best argument is if you want to meet some really awesome people, <laughs> come join us here at Colombia because uh, people here can be a riot. People are pretty hilarious and everybody's very nice here. Okay, well, thank you very much, Just Matter, for coming and talking about your new position, and good luck with your new role. Thank you. Thank you, fellow Civ Classics players, for listening. I'll be doing my best to release an episode every Monday morning, recapping on what's going on in the server. Next week, we will interview the famous Peter and his experiences on the fall of the Commonwealth. You have any suggestions for my next episode? Write a comment below. For now, though, I am Warm Wizard, and this is Box Talk, signing off.